0: Hello. Welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I am your host, Dylan. I am an alcoholic. Um, Before we jump into today's episode, I want to say today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash eavesdrop. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Now on to today's episode. Uh, today's podcast is a live studio, or not live, a studio recording uh, conversation between myself and a gentleman by the name of Ben, who I have known for uh, several years now. Um, and this was a, a second attempt podcast. The first attempt was foiled by a, a bad microphone in a l- recording in a in a loud coffee shop. So I was very happy to get an opportunity to sit down and record with Ben again. Um, and before we jump into that conversation, I, I'd like to take a moment to to, to talk about the Fun and Sobriety podcast just in general. Uh, I've, I've recorded a handful of these and uploaded a few of them, and and I have to say uh, my anxiety level rises with each episode that I upload. Uh, these are deeply personal conversations that I'm having, and, and obviously the the episodes where it's just me talking into a microphone, you know, a stream of consciousness reflecting on whatever's going on with me in that moment. It's deeply personal. And I, I take it on faith that this is going to work. What I'm attempting here will, will not blow up in my face. I suppose is, is the fear that I have. Um, Because I'm offering a glimpse into what the world of recovery is for me and through the conversations I have with people who I um, am drawn to in the various programs that of the world and in people that I meet in recovery or people I meet who are struggling with their own demons one way or another and, and, and trying to improve themselves one way or another. I, I, through these conversations i'm I'm hoping to offer a little bit of a window into this world and hopefully this helps someone i mean ultimately that would be the goal if i record a thousand of these and it helps one person then it was worth it even if those thousand recordings lead to a thousand and one sleepless nights i don't know um but these are ultimately these are just conversations between broken people who are trying to find a way through the world that is no longer destructive or in the very least no longer self-destructive and i i wanted to admit that there is a high probability that i'm going to tuck my tail and hide with this and, and and stop recording these because they're, they're, they're terrifying, frankly. Um, and I don't, I don't want to cheapen anyone's experience with this by pretending that this is, uh, fun for me. (laughs) Um, and, that really is, uh, makes me self-conscious to even admit, and who knows if I'll even upload this part of the introduction. Um, but I really appreciate you guys listening and giving this a shot and as I'll say at the end but I want to say it at the beginning in case you don't get all the way through it if you have any feedback you want to offer or any um, comments to make or even suggestions please reach out to me on Facebook or message me uh, through the contact email on the eavesdrop.com podcast network Um, because I really want These podcasts to be useful to everyone, or at least some of you. And if they're not, I'd like to know because, frankly, they're very painful to produce, and even more painful for me to listen to. Because I, you know, I don't want to listen to myself talk at all, let alone talk about very vulnerable uh, personal things that I'm going to just vomit out into the I don't know digital airwaves. What do you call the internet audio? landscape um anyway that's my two cents before this conversation um i i hope you enjoy it ben is a very peculiar interesting frightening uh but you know like i said ultimately just an, another damaged human trying to make his way through the world uh so please uh enjoy uh my conversation with Ben. I'll wake up when I'm sober, which will probably be never. I'll wake up when I'm sober but let's stay drunk forever. Welcome back to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I am once again Dylan, and I am an alcoholic, and I'm sitting down with a gentleman who I sat down with uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember exactly when it was now. And I lost the uh, podcast because it was a crummy recording on one of the microphones, which seems to be a a recurring issue with me, which I'm going to talk about somewhere else sometime with my therapist, maybe. (laughs) Uh, But, I really enjoyed the conversation and I cut it short because I could tell that it was all fucked up anyway. And I wanted to bring him back into the actual studio so I could show off these wonderful eavesdrop, uh, the eavesdrops recording studio and all of this stuff. And, uh, hopefully as organically as possible, get back to the same thing that we were talking about before. Cause, uh, I very much enjoyed it. So that's my, my lead in to the introduction of the gentleman across, directly across from me, Mr. Ben. How how are you doing right now? How's it going? Pretty darn good. Yeah? Um.
1: Yeah, just a lot going on. Yeah. Starting a new business, trying to pay my bills.
0: Sure. So you like know, regular life You know, shit.
1: regular life stuff that makes people crazy. Sure. Finally... Uh, Finally, maybe getting paid the equity in my house. My ex-wife owes right. me. You mentioned so. that the
0: last time I ran into you. So the
1: house is getting listed today. So that's like a big weight off the shoulders. I got to
0: say, you have like a, a glow about you. You look very like That's upbeat. just a sunburn. Is it just? <laughs> well, because the last time when we d- sat down to record, you went out of town for a... Tell me where you went. Say it, say it so, on the mic here. Will you? So
1: I, I went to Las Vegas for punk rock bowling. Nice. And I got to see... It seems
0: like a long way to go to play bowling, but go on. Right, right.
1: (laughs) If only... There there was no actual bowling going on. I should have made that a point. Oh, okay. Uh, The only games that we did play, we went to the Venetian and did the Star Wars Virtual Reality.
0: I don't know what this is. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I could put that together just from the description. Right?
1: So the Venetian is a huge casino, and they have a virtual reality that you can go play. Like, do you do, like, lightsabers? No, no. So... They give you a headset, and you have this vest and backpack and everything, and you feel like you're going parachuting. Right. But instead, you get, like, they give you a storyline, and you're basically rebel soldiers dressed up as stormtroopers invading this base. And uh, your mission is to, like, steal this item and then get away.
0: Now. I guess that kind of surprises me that you're that in that you're that much of a dork. I guess is what I'm gonna say, dude. <laughs> Are you showing me a a, a what? It, who is the, it's a very there's, big there's bicep tattoo of that's Darth Nihilus and Darth then lightsaber Nylas. and the Millennium Falcon. Okay, yeah, yeah I see I'm the Millennium Falcon. No, that's yeah, I'm beautiful. totally a nerd. That's beautiful. So, I had no idea. I yeah. had no idea. But but you were there for the, that's a punk rock hmm. festival,
1: right? right? So it's a music festival and it's three days long, and it is overwhelmingly full of people drinking sure. and partying and doing drugs because sure. i mean punk rockers what do you do you're either straight edge or you're just out of your head
0: so do you do you okay so um, that that, that where i was about to ask so uh, you you find yourself with this i'm i don't mean to put this on you but do you find yourself sitting with the straight edge camp when you go absolutely not punk? those dudes piss me off <laughs> What do you mean they piss you off? They're just like so
1: elitist. Uh, I don't do drugs and I don't drink because I'm better than everyone and I won't poison my body. I'm like, well, I would totally do all that shit if I could do that and not be
0: a complete cocksucker about it. Which one—the not drinking and not being a cocksucker about it, or the, the doing, doing the, the drugs, doing the drugs
1: and, 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 and okay. drinking? You know, like if I wasn't just the biggest, most worthless human you have ever met in your life when I was doing it, I would totally be about
0: that. Well, I like, feel like probably it, most people who are not who are sober would probably <laughs> do that. I think. I mean, I, I I've legitimately said this more than once, and it makes me laugh every time because it's such a cliche. But yeah, I I really wish that I could drink like a normal person because then I could. You know, drink a quart of vodka every day, just like a normal person. Right. Like I could get up and drink in the morning, just like a normal person. So, I don't... Uh, unfortunately,
1: I'm just totally not qualified for that. <laughs> but... Like they, they, I'm pretty sure they put that "drink responsibly" on the bottom of the bottle just for me, just for Ben. It says yeah. "Ben, drink like,
0: responsibly." Ben.
1: I don't remember that stuff when I was a kid, and then as I got older, it started showing up. So I'm pretty sure it's my fault that it's there because I did a lot sure. of really dumb things.
0: Well, let's let's talk about some of that stuff right because like, you're you are sober and so you went to a punk rock festival and I, i'm yeah. I'm assuming you maintained your sobriety through the weekend oh you, yeah you seem to be very clear-eyed and despite what the 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 sunburn you also do have a positive glow about you
1: without a hitch like it, it was a good time we were there with some friends that were originally from boise and they uh-huh. moved down there so we had a place to stay and yeah, live uh, in vegas Whew. yeah so she uh, she's an old-school punk rocker from Boise. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend is from the Seattle area. Okay. And he loves beer, but he's totally <laughs> he responsible about his beer. loving of beer. And <laughs> she doesn't drink much. So she's so a lot more on my scale like, of things. They're aliens is what you're saying. Right. They're, they're totally aliens. Yeah. Um, So we got to see, like, Sloppy Seconds and Fear and The Damned and – the the specials, like all old school, old school bands Very who good. are still just rocking nice. and putting on great shows.
0: Okay, cool.
1: And uh, I got to see people getting wheeled out of there, like just way overdid it. But the cool part about it is you put that many punk rockers in one confined sure. space, there's still not fights. And yeah, I was going to say that it
0: was perfectly mellow. Yeah, I the mean, cops are walking around looking mellow.
1: bored as hell, <laughs> and all these punk rockers are obviously on drugs and obviously drunkard in hell. <laughs> And there's still no fights because nobody likes the cops.
0: Sure, well, sure.
1: I mean, at well, least there.
0: And, and here's something, okay, and I, I guess I'm, I'm only barely putting this together, but you present as a biker, right? Like you're you're very tattooed. Mm-hmm. You're, you're wearing leather with a prospect written on it at the moment. Right. So I'm assuming that 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 has a meaning behind it for something. But and you ride a bike. Mm-hmm. So when you said you're going to a punk rock festival, my brain went immediately to more of a like a biker festival. So. As you're describing it, I realize. No, I'm I'm just putting that. That's my own uh, whatever well, uh, assumptions. I mean, you, as we went into before, which the it got lost. But I mean, you're, you're covered with tattoos. Yeah, and you've got tattoos all over your skull, which is shaved. I don't know. You need to shave it again. I, I do need yeah. to shave. I need a haircut. It was a long week. <laughs> I this is okay. So this is part of why I wanted to talk to you, right? Like I, you are the kind of an, uh, a personality. No, no, no. You're a person in a room, especially with square heads, are people are going to notice you and most people are gonna be like a little bit intimidated, I would say, right? Like even, even in the room where we know each other from, yeah. it's a it's a pretty uh white collar type meeting, right? Like it's got a lot of it's got the feel to it. Absolutely. That's, so that's part of what I really enjoy seeing you there for years now. Because you are so, I I I hope you don't get offended by this, but you're so sweet, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're over. You basically sit in the one spot all the time, and like, I've I've been there for the last few years, and I've I've experienced from the outside. I don't even want to say experience, but I'm aware of what you've gone through, and it's so such an incongruous thing to have this like intimidating, for lack of a better word, guy in the corner who's got this well of like, like a well of depth. That's a really annoying thing to say, but you like a well of sadness. Well, I was, it's actually sadness is where I was going to go, but that's, you know, I don't, I don't want to put words and put shit on you, but it hearing you through the years and knowing that you've maintained your sobriety through, The shit you've gone through in the last few years. I mean, it's that's the main reason I wanted to bring you in early in this podcast to to like, I don't know, force you to talk about it on (laughs) on additional recording so the rest of the world can appreciate. Force me to out myself to the force you exactly. And and it's all right. um, so let's, let's back up a little, like, tell me, tell me, I mean, okay. So you're doing good right now, right? Like you, yeah, you're I about mean, to get a little money out of your ex-wife, the, the house your ex-wife is finally going to sell.
1: Probably like 30,000 less than I thought I was going to get out of it, but well, it's whatever. still money it's in the pocket. Yeah. That's the final, well, and that's yeah. the chapter that needs to be shut. So
0: sure. And that's, that's part of the, the shit you've gone through in the last couple of years. Yeah. But, but let's go back further. Like what, what, What's your story, man? Why, why, what, what brought you into the rooms in the first place?
1: So, I mean, how far back do you want to go? As, I was, far, as,
0: as far as it makes sense, man. Like,
1: like uh, we, can, we can do a quick re- <laughs> let's recap. Let's do, do of, a quick, fairly quick like, recap,
0: and we'll just touch back the, on shit that the, you leave The out.
1: recap of my life. Like, uh, I started, uh, I was using IV, IV drugs by the time I was 12.
0: Good God. I was in and out of the house by the time I was twelve. So I was So wait a minute. A twelve year old using IV drugs, how do you even have access to that?
1: I am magical.
0: No, come on. Uh so I was a punk rock kid. Okay.
1: Like that was just and I grew up out in Cuna and okay. I, would went, still, I
0: would still think that would make you further from IV drug y- use at You 12. would think so. Yeah. But the the reality is Idaho
1: really does have an ease of access to Mm. those things if you really want them and if you know how to get them. And I've always been around the biker community because I was different and because I have... Were
0: were your parents bikers? No, not at
1: all. My parents are so straight-laced it's stupid. Oh, for real? my dad's Mormon and he was a real estate agent (laughs) and you know... (laughs) This is not
0: what I expected you to say.
1: I mean, crazy abusive and a crazy drunk... Oh, but at the same Mormon time, Mormon drunk? Oh man, you'd have never guessed, would you? Um, Jack Mormon, yeah. oh, just a little. Okay, <laughs> I think he invented the term. Um, <laughs> but and my mom didn't drink when I was a kid, just because my dad was drinking and he was really unpredictable. Right, and because he was so abu- a, abusive, I was in and out of the house a lot. It was not necessarily I was just a shit kid and I'd take off. It was like. Get out of the house before things got really bad. Sometimes because okay. he wouldn't, he wouldn't take it out on my mom. He would come for me.
0: Was it just you? Are you the only? child? No, I have
1: a, I have a sister that's six years younger, younger than me. Okay. And as far as I know, she was only, she only got spanked
0: once. Okay. Do, I you, mean, got, do you do you have a relationship with her today?
1: Very minimally. Okay. She, uh, she has her own breed of weird, but. <sighs> Like, the the addiction and alcoholism and stuff did not skip that side of the family. Okay. You know, so, like, uh, we didn't talk for two years because we decided we were going to try to rehash our relationship and try to have a family unit kind right. of thing. And so we went on this whitewater trip. And after the whitewater trip, I'm driving around in my car for a week. She rode up there with me. And then I find Coke in the back seat. Oh, And I'm like... I'm on felony probation because I got a felony DUI. Okay. So if I would have got pulled over and they would have searched the car, they'd have found coke in the car, and that would have been I'm yeah, gone there's for no ten way years. Believe that wasn't yeah, yours. They're they're just gonna look at me and go. So. Yeah. Here you go. Here's your new sentence. Bye. So. Um, yeah. So we quit talking for a few years because she was just like, "Oh, I totally thought I'd lost that. Thanks for finding it. Can uh, I have it back?" And I was like no you can jump up your own ass and go fuck yourself and God, then we didn't talk it. for a long time you know but you talk today uh we talk periodically it's okay. you know uh she got remarried recently to her third husband i believe okay and between the two of them they've got like seven kids running around okay. so sure. she's a lot busier and she's really trying to be a better human and
0: is she is she is she She's
1: still doing, leaving
0: Coke in the back of people's cars. Or... I, I, I just don't
1: let her ride with me anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest so with wait, you. So, wait, how
0: long ago was that? Because I guess I was assuming this was like in the last couple of years. Yeah, but... that, was,
1: that, that was just, uh, I don't know, like three years ago.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So, no, four years ago maybe. Okay. But and anyway, so you're, what about with your parents? Do you have so, a, a re- relationship with them today?
1: Um, so, my dad has actually been sober for like. 18 months longer than I have. I've been sober for a little over eight years now. Okay. And it's the weirdest thing. Once both of us got sober, we actually can have a conversation. He's also 75 years old. Okay. And the last time we got in a fight, uh, I almost broke his arm, Uh and he told me the next time he'd just shoot me, so I told him he should probably kill me if he's going to shoot me because I'll beat him to death with a, with his own gun. So and this is a
0: volatile relationship you've had with this person.
1: It, yeah, it, it, it has been nonstop since I was a kid sure. until I was in my mid-20s Okay. when he realized, oh, he is bigger than me and he does know how to take care of himself and sure. he's not afraid to do it anymore.
0: And, and it's going to lead to murder.
1: Right. So we just kind of stayed apart for a long time and— after we both got sober, we started talking a little bit, and now we can be around each other, and it's really not a bad deal. He's still, he's still the guy that was that abusive dad, but sure. he's also not that guy anymore. I, I, I think I get it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna forget what happened. Right. But but I'm not above giving him another chance. A lot of people have given me another chance after I got sober because I was not a good dude. Sure. Before I got sober, I have been not a good dude since I got sober. <laughs> but well, so I'm what, much better than I used to be. What,
0: what 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 brought you to the What brought you into the the room What brought you to sobriety
1: So, twelve. Let's see. Twenty nineteen. In 2006, I broke my neck. I was an underwater welder. Okay, I think I, I, think and, you, I
0: heard you share about this one
1: time. And yeah. I was crawling out of a water tower, and when my helmet went from a neutral buoyancy to a positive weight, it pulled all the muscles off the right-hand side of my neck. Oh, it shit. wasn't a true break. No bones were broken, but because of the muscle structural failure, it spun my, my C1 vertebrae around out of location and almost what's called an internal decapitation. Almost caused one. Um, In fact, my doctor told me it's the closest he's ever seen anyone come to it without it happening, which...
0: Was it just an accidental decompression or something? It
1: could have been me being dehydrated. It could have been just the way I had to turn my head and muscle failure. Uh, I mean, there's no way to predict...
0: Oh, so there wasn't some catastrophic event. No, it
1: was just I was crawling out of the water and I had to turn my head to get it through the I worked in water towers. Uh-huh. So I had to turn my head to get my camera and lights out of the out of the hatch of the tower and when I did that everything popped. I crawled I finished crawling out because there's always creaks and groans when you crawl out. You you go from okay. like being neutrally buoyant, you can just float and fly through the water kinda. Right. Because uh everything in a drinking water environment is done in a dry suit so the dry suit you kind of fly around
0: okay
1: it has air inside it you know it keeps you out of the water basically okay um so whenever you crawl out of the water that dry suit starts to weigh again okay and the dry suit my dry suit weighed about 30 pounds my helmet weighed 47 pounds my weight belt weighed another 40 pounds My oxygen tank you know, my spare air weighs another forty, almost fifty pounds. Sure. So you get all this weight that is when you're in the water doesn't really weigh anything, and then sure. you climb out of the water and now you're pressed with another hundred and twenty plus pounds of gear, right. your bones creak and crack.
0: Well so you broke your neck.
1: So I broke my neck and uh they it it put me in a state of migraine for almost a year. And because it was pinching Blood vessels that go, go into my brain and nerve bundles that go out of my brain. Okay. So it would cause all of this horrible muscle tension in my shoulders and in my back, and it would cause blood loss in my brain. And when you get blood loss in your brain, it gives you migraines. It's okay. just the natural—it's telling you there's something really wrong.
0: And so were you—were they prescribing you like—
1: So they put me on methadone. Okay. And they left me on methadone for a year until I complained and complained about it.
0: Why? So why would, um, why methadone? Why did they go straight because to
1: Because they couldn't find anything that would kill the pain. They couldn't find anything to stop the migraine, so they just put me on methadone. They were just and like, here, you deal had, with it.
0: And you were in your 20s at that point? or Yeah,
1: I was 20, 26, I think, when so, I broke my And you had,
0: you had just said that you were, you were an IV drug user since you were 12. So you'd been— Right. I mean, I'm going to guess if you were doing that job, you probably weren't. No, actively. I, I'd quit. Still shooting up, whatever. Way, way prior to then, but uh, so how did you feel about being prescribed something that's potentially, I don't know, triggering for you? Or, or I mean, I don't. Oh. I
1: never really had a problem with that side of it. When I decided I was done, yeah, with with the IV drug use, I was just done. What? Okay, there was so... no. Um, Like, um, I don't wake up in the morning and I'm just like, man, it'd be really good to shoot up some fucking heroin, you know? That's what I was going to say. So
0: it was heroin. Well, no.
1: In my case, it was lots of speed and all kinds of other crazy shit anyway. Okay. Pretty much anything you would put in front of me, I would do. See, Um,
0: the idea of of IV drug use has never – it terrified me. Right. I I mean, I I would smoke pot and I would do psychedelics. But the idea of any powder or definitely an injectable was like no fucking way would I – I don't, it was, maybe I was indoctrinated well by dare and all that. Right. That just terrified me. So when you're like, anything you'd put in front of you, it would, I would just run. I mean, and I guess that's just evidence of me being far more square than you, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know about square, but yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Just, just my mentality leads a lot into that, you know, into the, into the things that I did when I was younger. And I didn't find out about that m- until much later until last year, Okay, you know, and we can, we can talk about that later. I do want to talk, but, about
0: uh, that. but, uh, so you got on the methadone
1: and and then what, like, and then they, and then they transferred me over to Norco when I told them I didn't like the methadone. It made me, it just washed me out too much. It was too much sleep. It was too much high. It was too much of everything. Okay. And I started complaining about it because I don't like that high feeling, okay. Especially after after being an underwater welder, there's a certain amount of control that is needed all the time. So, were you able to and continue
0: that, working, or were you done I, at that point? No,
1: I, I was done once. <laughs> once we found out how bad the injury was, there was okay. no way I could go back. In fact, I wasn't able to go back until this last year. I I cleared my dive physical. Well, so you're still you're going year. back into it? Uh, I was going to try to. I paid yeah. a lot of money for a dive physical, and then i <laughs> i the job I had lined up didn't end up working out. Okay. And I don't. I, this is going to sound, um, very egotistical of me, <laughs> but I when I quit diving, I was making really good money. Uh-huh. And if I were to go back to diving right now, I would have to start at yeah, a spot let's... that I would make about a third of what I did when I quit. And it's like I can make that here without just trying a, to kill myself. Yeah,
0: just doing the tattoo Yeah. Show. Okay.
1: So there's... That's
0: not egotistical. <laughs> that seems pragmatic.
1: I mean, if they were going to pay me what I was making before, yeah, of I'd course. be gone right now. Like, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd be 200 plus feet underwater. <laughs> like, wee, let's play with electricity. But I'm not. So, um, so they
0: put you on Norco.
1: So, and it was a pretty high dose of Norco. And then they had to put me on Soma to increase the effect of the Norco. Because it by itself wasn't enough. And then they had to put me on uh, Xanax because Norco makes me an asshole. Um, so I, I was doing all three of those things. And then I was still uncomfortable and I still hurt all the time. So I would drink on top of it because it would inf- increase I can, I can the effect.
0: that all of that would be a pleasant
1: outcome. So... Uh, a few years later in, in say, 2011. So this went on for several years. Yeah. So okay. for like five years.
0: So you were doing that whole cocktail for, I but mean, obviously, maybe maybe not every day. Every day. The whole cocktail. That was every, every day.
1: day. Okay. And my I went into my doctor for the regular checkup, and my I was jaundiced. My eyes are turning yellow. My skin's turning yellow. Jesus. And he says, Ben, you got to quit. You got to quit something. And I said, well, let's get off the pills. Let's get off the... And he goes, you should probably quit drinking too. Right. And I was like, okay. So I went out on one last bender, and that was a really, really awesome way to quit because I got arrested, and I got a felony DUI, which I earned. You just mentioned that. So why was it
0: a felony DUI?
1: Because it was my third DUI in 10 years. Okay. But in between my second DUI and my third DUI was eight years. In between my first DUI and my third DUI was uh 9 years and 11 months. Right, so
0: you had a so, two early on yeah. and then this one was just caught at the tail end of it. Yeah. So, which is I mean that's the rule.
1: I mean, it's the rule, so uh, but the reality is as terrible as it was, it did put me in a position to where I was locked into this idea that I was going to get sober. Okay. And I did not know how I was going to do that because I'd never heard of AA. Like that wasn't something that got Literally, thrown around. Or
0: you were just like Not something on your radar.
1: Like, it was just not something on my radar. Okay. You know, like, I might have heard of it, but it wasn't like anybody was like, this is where you go to quit drinking, dude. Yeah. You know, it was like, I was sitting at home and I can remember sitting there after I got my DUI and I was thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? And I went on a motorcycle ride and I, on, on the road into downtown, Uh right there by the jail. They used to have a billboard for the Walker Center that said, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I looked at that billboard and it had like this chick sitting there with a pearl necklace and a gold watch. And I was like, what the fuck does she know about being sick and tired of sick and tired? But I called those guys. And they told me to come in, and when I got there, there was no gold watches, and there was no ladies with pearl necklaces, otherwise I probably would have turned around and walked my ass out of there.
0: Wait, wait, which, what what center did you wind up going to?
1: So, I I went to the outpatient center here in Boise. For,
0: for what, I I missed the hospital. Oh, the Walker Center. For the Walker, okay, it is the Walker. Yeah. Because I remember there was also Intermountain doing those same ad campaigns. Yeah. And I went to both places, so my brain, I couldn't. As you were talking, I couldn't remember which one you said. Yeah, sorry so, to interrupt you. No,
1: it's okay. I actually, I actually told them when I got there because, I mean. Y- y- You know what I look like. The people on the other (laughs) end of this recording obviously don't know what I look like, but I walked in there. I might
0: put a picture up. up,
1: My haggard ass walks in there with long hair almost down to my shoulders. Oh my gosh. And I
0: can't picture that because I've never seen you without basically a bald head, so that's interesting.
1: And a a tattooed throat, and I'm looking at these people and I'm like, you got to change your fucking billboard. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) I'm sure they're like... Okay, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are not reaching people like me with that, you know.
0: <laughs> so you went to the outpatient in Boise I, I for did. A Walker. Okay, I, I actually went through that because I went through the in. I went to uh, uh, Gooding to do their actual inpatient, and then I wasn't assigned the outpatient. But I, I in my in my heart, I wasn't assigned. But I think maybe I was assigned. It, regardless, I went through. Three months of that as well. So, yeah. I, I, was it still over on Franklin and Cole at the time, or is it Franklin and Curtis over there, um, near there? I don't. It was up on Franklin when I went to it. I don't. I think it moved not long after I, I, I let's say, graduated. After I quit, I going. think it was
1: on Philippi.
0: Yeah, Philippi. Yeah, yeah. yeah right there. It was by, right, right there. By Franklin. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
1: Right. Anyway, it was right there, and yeah, I went there for. I, I don't know how I didn't get impatient because I was a fucking wreck.
0: Well, like, I mean, they're not going to, it's not like, unless you're a
1: like, danger, no one's going to force you to do anything, I mean, right? So. Like I had the money for it. That was a thing. You know, mm-hmm. I walked in there and I was like, how much get, money do you want to make me better? i guess you just didn't
0: want to do it. I'm going to assume they guess. Well,
1: no, they didn't even, they didn't even say anything about it. I said, I, I oh, want, okay. I want help quitting drinking. I called them on the phone. I said, this is what I've got going on. I really need help. I don't know what the fuck to do. Huh. And they said, well, come down. We'll, we'll do an interview with you okay. and we'll give you an assessment. Sure. So I went down and I did the assessment, and they said, Well, yeah, you've definitely got some problems with some substances. I said, No shit. <laughs> and for some reason, they didn't even say anything about inpatient treatment. They were just like, How about this yeah, yeah, whatever. E- e- extreme outpatient, blah, 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 and that mock two, and that,
0: and, that, and that worked for you? I mean, I don't well, think this...
1: Again, I think that, like, I was in there with a bunch of people that had gotten inpatient treatment, and then this was their outpatient treatment. what I did, yeah. Right? And, and like, these people... Again, I think it's, like, just my mentality. Okay. So, like, because because I'm so analytical and so logical that when I decided that I'm not drinking anymore, it's really easy for me to transition that into my real life because the emotional attachment to those things just isn't deep. You know, I... I think about these things and yeah, I had some fun, but I remember a lot of pain sure. associated with those things as well. Sure. Um
0: well, and and your your comment about the emotional connection, right? Like let, let let's, right. let's 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 leapfrog into that also, right? So, Cuz I know that in the the very recent past you've had uh, a crumbling in your life. <laughs> uh j- th- that
1: That is the most mild way I think we could put it. So, I, I had a pretty severe PTSD event, which pretty much severed all of my emotional connections to every human that I've ever known in my life my parents, my sister, my wife at the time, my newborn son, everyone. I woke up one day and I could just, I knew something was wrong and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And as I'm going through the progress of the day, I'm like looking at my kid, and he's not my kid. That, I, you know.
0: So this was just you one. You went to bed at night and you felt normal, or whatever you felt one way, and then in the morning, I don't. It was severe enough that you could like significant enough that you could feel a difference. Does I that
1: I knew there was something wrong. <laughs> like I knew there. I, I don't know what it was. I remember. I remember being triggered i remember something triggering me i still don't know what it was i did a ton of emdr therapy which is which is
0: uh, in response to this event in
1: response to this okay. event and going back trying to look for what triggered this ptsd because oh, i spent okay. so, so, so much so... of my life in in such a survival mode with my dad being abusive living on the streets being a junkie uh-huh. you know it was always living in survival mode
0: so you were at this point you, would, you were Domestic, right? I mean, you had right. a wife, you had a child, yeah. a newborn child. You had... And this was... Was this the same woman... Was this your your wife with whom you had already just lost a child? Yeah. Like two years prior? Yeah.
1: So in 2016, we lost a daughter. Right. And then in 2017, we got pregnant again. 2018, he was born.
0: Right. And so, I mean... It, I'm, so... I don't... I'm, I'm trying to like armchair psychology, but maybe like yeah. you were you know you were kind of sliding into a, a comfort zone that was utterly unfamiliar for you and and maybe that's like you were just saying your your life was so much um duress prior to that like i i don't know i'm not trying to diagnose it but that's i mean something yeah. that's very it it was huge it's alarming i mean so to, to think that you could wake up one day and feel like it's almost like you're an avatar and somebody had switched players or something it, it
1: totally was too uh, that is a really good way to put it. It felt like somebody turned me into a different person. That is and really bananas. So the like the triggering thing, the closest thing I can come to, is I was at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, at, at a group that you and I frequent a lot. <laughs> okay, and the subject was blame. And okay. normally when, it, in AA, when we talk about blame, it's everybody talking about, I used to blame everybody for my problems. Right, well, right, right. like my childhood was a little bit different. Sure. I got, you accept blame, period, beat <laughs> the fuck into me. I mean, it was not a kind of spanking. Right. If you did something wrong, you accept blame for it. It was the wrong side of the belt and a broken shoulder kind of, okay. kind of beating, you know? And... um like those were just lessons that that were very serious and very very so you feel ingrained like in me so we were talking about this the subject matter and I remember sitting there and I remember like there's just this rage mm. that I've always had okay and it, it over the years I learned to put it to like a useful means so ex- express it in a way that doesn't hurt other people or myself Okay. You know, and that came out as art, hence, okay. you know, tattooing or building things, building motorcycles, building cars, okay. stuff like that. So I learned to put this this frustration sure. and this anger to use. And I hadn't felt that just that core. It was just a solid core of hate.
0: So it was like you were, it just it popped just like, up out of it nowhere. It just woke up. Oh, okay.
1: And I remember leaving that meeting so bitter and so mad. Because I realized my whole life I had taken blame for things that I had utterly no control over. Like, like I used to get the blame from my family about, you know, you're the reason I'm stuck in this marriage. You're the reason I have to live in this house. You're the reason, you know, things sure. like that.
0: And I feel like, I, yeah, like you, like childhood frustrations that have just been boiling under the surface for your entire life. Right. And and I I I feel like I can relate to what you're saying then walking back into now you've got a whole new set of responsibilities and in a way it's flipped cuz now you're the dad. Right? right. I mean, I don't mean to get old whatever Dr. Oz about it, but Man, I mean, or Dr. Phil, I guess.
1: I I don't know that the family that that my little my cute little idealistic family had a lot to do with that. No. Okay. It very well could have. I'm sure. not going to say that it didn't. I, I am going to say that I went through a few hundred hours of therapy with a therapist and a specialist. And because well, do you, you know, f-
0: still feel this remove, right? Because I mean, we, from from when we talked before, I mean, you, you you basically you woke up and like they were strangers, right? Yeah, like you had zero emotional well, connection I, I, to them. Well, I knew who they were. Well, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, but, and, but in, ter- in but your heart, right? They were no different than anyone
1: else. They they could have been styrofoam cups. <laughs> I mean, literally. <laughs> Everyone that I knew, everyone that I thought I cared about, everyone that that I wanted to matter to me, didn't matter, and and that was a very very hollowing and I, I experience to and know it, that
0: and it and it just it could just go away and it just stayed away and right it, like it wasn't the kind of thing like you had a cup of coffee and you went for a ride or something and come back no and that kind of, that's no no kind of like...
1: like it's been it's been a year and almost a half. Still... Since that, and I am still working on rebuilding my end of relationships that I've ha- had with people over the years and That's... having to explain to them, look, I'm sorry I'm distant. Look, I'm sorry that things are different. Yeah, I am not the same person that I was before. This is what happened. This is what well, I know about it.
0: I'm, I'm going to ask but, this, but I mean, I know the answer, but so, I mean, how did your... <laughs> I mean, your your wife and your kid that didn't that how long were you able to maintain a, a relationship with your wife from that point forward? Less than a month. For real. For real. And was it volatile or were you just a no, zombie? No,
1: no. It was it was not volatile. She was she was frustrated with me. I was frustrated because of the situation. Well, sure. Like I wanted to be here and I wanted to be this person that right. was no longer there, and and so. When I when I woke up that day and I told her there was something wrong and I need help, immediately we went to a therapist that we knew and trusted well, that's, that we'd I, used previously. I
0: got it. that's far out that you even knew enough to to recognize it enough to be like I need help. There's something yeah. weird. That... Yeah, there
1: was. I mean, I knew there was something really wrong, huh. and I mean, you don't look at your own kid and just go, "This isn't mine." No, and you don't look at a person that you've lived with for six years and go.
0: Presumably, you were in love with her at one point, right. I would Guess
1: like you could live in a cardboard box, and I wouldn't give a shit.
0: Like that's not things well, that, that I, I, you know, not. to, not I to mean, not to bang right. on you, but I gotta say, if I was your wife, I'd be very upset with you saying that to me as well. Right? I'd be like, "Well, like, go fuck yourself." Then. I, I mean,
1: I never said those things to them. Oh, okay, you good. know, <laughs> like that wasn't that wasn't something, but you know, I I. I told her, "Look, there's there's something wrong, and I I need help." Yeah. And she asked, "What was going on?" And I said, "I can't feel anything; like there is nothing here." And Do you
0: still feel today, like you just don't feel
1: for ninety nine percent of of I guess your your standard emotional palate, Okay, I probably just don't even
0: have it's it's like like it's just black and white it's like just not the world.
1: world and then for that one percent it's that, there in blazing bright colors
0: I, and it that is befuddling to me because i part of why i i wanted to sit down like part of why i register you as like one of my people right like right. I, the people in the rooms there's handfuls of them that are, these are my people right and there's something about your heart that draws me to you and and I that's why it's it breaks my heart to to hear you say that cuz I don't know if I'm just because of the 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 years of knowing you peripherally have colored you a specific way and I just this hasn't sunk in for me maybe that's all it is but I just even as I said when you walked in like you 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 have a glow about you and it just it really it bums me out to 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 think that that you're walking around I don't know. I I guess I'm my only way to, to think of it is, is just feeling kinda empty. And I don't know if that's I, that's I don't want to exactly that on it, you, but.
1: no, that's exactly it. I've i I've, I've talked about it in the rooms a ton. Sure.
0: You know, most people But I i when you talk about it in a room, like people, you know, ninety percent of you are like, Yeah, 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 you're just showing off kind of stuff. And and when I hear you talk, I'm like, No, nah, I, f- I feel like he's being extremely genuine. Yeah. <laughs> and if you listen to what he's saying, everyone should go hug him now, even though he's gonna hate everyone for <laughs> trying to hug him. I, I don't like
1: stranger touches. <laughs> Not as much as I used to. It used to be a good way to make money, now it's a little bit. Oh, I mean, God. I'm kidding. Um but you know, so like there was a ton of therapy and there was a ton of like regression treatment and stuff like that where, sure. where we looked at my history through
0: childhood and everything else. Are you on are you on any uh prescript- prescribe prescription drugs now or do no. they prescribe anything no. to you to, like, to, um, to try and like jump start something? I, I don't know what the fuck they could so, give you. I feel like it's, everything is geared the other way. <laughs> yeah. So
1: basically what we, what we discovered is I have reactive attachment disorder okay. from neglect and abuse and I'm autistic, which okay. covers okay. both of those things cover why I have such a shallow emotional palate and why I don't, have deep emotional connections with people. Okay. Part of it is to protect myself, and the other part is because I just don't get it.
0: I guess I can see that. And I guess, so, like, you saying that to me, I can absorb it. It's still just, it, I don't, I mean, autism is a spectrum, right? Right. I mean, whether or not that's fully yeah. embraced by everybody, it, it seems clear to me. And so, I mean, yeah. everybody has some measure of whatever, and I, I guess I can I can accept that as a, a reasonable explanation but i just i don't i mean uh, it, it's you, weird you to find okay, out when you're
1: 38 right? years old they're like hey by the way you've been autistic since you were five and then you look back at your childhood <laughs> and you're like well i did try to kill a dude for hugging me once oh geez louise and i was five so yeah and i guess
0: i mean and that you know he touched can, me and i didn't like that yeah and, and i can i can but, see like if your parents are abusive and you're okay i mean all the things all the things i mean it's
1: a huge culmination of all this of course shit
0: it's in in, and i don't i don't want to bang on it too much i just i know that that's a part of what i'm trying to do with this podcast is just get things out there that people may not have ever thought about yeah like for real this is a very unique story if nothing else like i
1: i went into alcoholics anonymous with the idea that everyone felt like i did Okay. And for my whole childhood and adult life up until that point, I was just under the assumption that if someone pissed you off, you could sever that emotional connection without even thinking about it and, and never worry about that person again. And I thought everyone could do that. Okay. Like I don't miss people.
0: So do you are oh okay. So here's a question. You know? Do you Okay. Well that's Rough.
1: I mean, it takes a lot of work for me to find to to build that emotional connection. I can do it; it's just a very long process for me to do that, and sure. requires some
0: trust. Sure. Well, I, was, I was about to say, everybody, especially as you get older and you get wiser, I mean, it, yeah, it, 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 that trust becomes more and more difficult to to achieve, especially if you've been burned. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Which is part of you know you you'd mentioned that. Yeah. What is the prospect? I mean, so. Uh, because the one patch is, you know, prospect. It's obvious. Like you're, you're. What is, I've never looked in the back. What is the? What is the motorcycle club that you're? You well, I, I, I don't want to talk That's about fine. that. That's fine. That's but
1: fine. I am prospecting for an okay. MC. Okay. And it's a veterans based MC. Okay. So I am a I am a military veteran. These men have been, okay. have a lot of the same problems that I do. Okay. That makes sense. On the Did you see landscape. any combat? No, I didn't. Okay. okay. I felt like
0: you probably brought that up when you were talking about PTSDs. So.
1: But but because of because of the the varying landscapes of service, sure. You know, uh, a lot of these men have seen issues similar to what I have. Okay. Or experienced things similar to what I have in varying degrees. So um you know when I go to when I go to Alcoholics Anonymous and I talk about my personal life in Alcoholics Anonymous and people are just like whoa I don't even know what to say man right. I can go talk to these dudes and these dudes are like dude Ben let me tell you a story right. and like it's not even a drop in the bucket for some of what sure what these guys have seen sure, guess, so yeah. there's the there's an automatic it's like an automatic in with me good you know I I have somebody that I can trust implicitly sure w- w- that. That that has not only my benefit in mind or my well being in right. mind, but also wants to see me be a successful human being. Right. You know, it's and a lot of people have varying opinions on motorcycle clubs and I I you mean, know whatever. whatever. That's all. Are these, that's
0: all. What are you like? The young guy in the group or on yeah. the lower end of the, or younger end of the?
1: Or? Uh, no, I, man, I'm kind of in the middle. There, it's okay. all over the spectrum sure. as okay. far as. As far as participation goes, but because because it's a veterans based MC, the 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 participation is limited, okay to veterans only. Yeah, no, which I, is I you. which is no and good. That's, it but, sounds like
0: that's what kind of what you need right now, right?
1: Oh man, I needed it like they saved my life okay. over this last year when well. I I had no. No real idea about it. I grew up, you know. A- after leaving home permanently, I I worked in tattoo shops for years and years and years until I became a underwater welder. Right. And, and you're doing it again now. And right? I'm doing it again now yeah. because it's low impact and I like the people I work with. Sure. Um. But in that, I I was around motorcycle clubs a lot.
0: Oh, that makes sense
1: in, in varying degrees, you know they would either come to the shop or they'd want something or you know whatever um, so I had a small idea in my head of what it was like. The reality of that is so completely different than what I thought it was going to be sure. um so a a very good friend of mine that I worked with for uh about thirteen years straight in the tattoo industry has been had been hanging out with these guys and tattooing them for about 5 years and we hadn't talked in a few years well, you and this guy me and this guy hadn't talked in a while and then he just showed and up and then uh when he found out my my ex-wife and I were getting divorced and I was having trouble I was homeless oh. you know he he found me and got a hold of me and said hey Ben come on
0: I didn't realize that I didn't realize you were you wound up homeless yeah in the last so, year or so so
1: she asked me in in that, you know, we briefly touched on how long the relationship lasted after right, right. I found out things were wrong. She she asked me to move out about a month later. So I packed a bag and left.
0: Right. With nowhere to go? With just nowhere
1: left. to go. I just, she wanted me out of the house and I'm going to give her that peace. Right. You know, that's the least I can do. She needs peace to raise a son right. that I am incapable of connecting with. And so I left. I had nowhere to go. I had nothing to do you know so
0: these guys basically you you found these guys or they found you
1: well this was so <clears throat> after about a month and a half month month and a half of being homeless uh my old buddy got a hold of me and he said ben come on i got a place for you to live right. i got some people i want you to meet i think they might be able to help you and and this is after long conversations about why my head is so fucked up and with this guy yeah with with my buddy okay and uh and he introduced me to these guys, and these guys didn't just, they weren't just like, oh, you want to be a big tough biker guy, blah, blah, blah. They were like, so what's wrong? Right. You know, what's going on? Talk to us. Tell us about yourself. And I did. And there wasn't even a flinch, man. These guys were just like, here, come with us. Come hang out.
0: Very good. Camaraderie. So, H- were they, did human... they go down to the, were, were these the people you went to the, the punk rock festival last No, week, no, they? no. <laughs> That's just different.
1: No. Those are just like old school punk rock friends. Gotcha. So I grew up punk rock and just kind of fell into this lifestyle. Okay. You know, the the motorcycle. I've always ridden motorcycles. I've That's ridden true. motorcycles for like 33 years. So <laughs> <laughs> I've always been on one, but I've never had any interest in being involved in any kind of club Until because recently. I felt it was like too much, too close. If that makes sense, I
0: guess so. I don't. I, it's
1: like having the girlfriend that wants to move in on the first day, except it's a bunch of dudes and they want your motorcycle. <laughs> and and, so and here, as it turns out, that's not the way it is at all. So. Sure.
0: So here's 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 a here's a here's a, here's a, here's a, you're gonna like this question. What is? How does how how do you how is the spirituality in your life today? Zero. Zero spirituality. I mean, I say that. You said that last time, but yeah. then you gave me a very wonderful anecdote that I wanted to get back to. So you, you zero spirituality, but so things happen in your life and there's no denying that some of them seem to be in a way that makes your life more graceful, right? I mean, that that guy coming in and, and helping you. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's clunky, but it's still a little bit of grace. Like
1: from, from my perspective, like... I am a firm believer in mathematics okay. and I am a firm have, believer a in, in the chaos theory, and, Sure, you know, and, and stuff like that. And it's always something that I've understood more than like my family was Mormon, like I said before. Sure. So you,
0: you, you, you come in with a, a uh, a deserved and earned chip on your shoulder when it comes to anything actually, that's actually no, like that, right? not really at all. Okay, like I
1: I hadn't I haven't gone to church for anything other than a funeral since I was eight. Okay, like that was not a requirement in my family. My my yeah, mom and dad, dad
0: was an abusive alcoholic, or right? drinking uh, 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 Jack Mormon. Church okay. was
1: not where you took your kid, right? So, like that wasn't ever a requirement. But at the same time, I never understood it. But so like, so what is, from what? an from an outside perspective
0: yeah.
1: i see these people in the rooms and they have this oh, okay. spiritual experience okay and my experience is not what they're having and i hear about this do these things and you'll have a spiritual experience. Sure. And I've done these things and I'll be God damned if I have not had this experience <laughs> at all. I'm not going to argue that
0: because I feel the same way when I hear people talk about most of that stuff too. Right.
1: But at the same time, I was not closed off to the idea of it.
0: Okay.
1: I like, I, if, if I could buy a spiritual experience on amazon.com, <laughs> I would have a truckload of them shipped to my house sure. just so I could have just a portion of what some of these people seem like they have right oh, yeah. like it seems like they've got some good shit going on on the emotional
0: and spiritual front I, I agree and that is one of the like main reasons i keep going back is yeah
1: their lives may be in wreckage and they're still like this peaceful humdrum dude and i'm just like man i want to be that peaceful humdrum dude cuz yeah. i feel like a tornado inside i feel like an earthquake just getting ready to explode so does,
0: that, does that ever does that ever subside
1: and and yeah it does but for me it it definitely comes with uh like a lot of adrenaline usually yeah. Yeah, because um, our,
0: our previous conversation that like, got lost. Yeah, you, yeah. You you touched on a couple of things, and that and and that's where I was like, I was going to handhold you all the way there. <laughs> all right. Like, I mean, because you described like going nine million miles an hour on your motorcycle. Well, right? not and quite. Like, I try. Yeah, you, I, but going, ac- going speeds that make me uncomfortable. Just hearing that you're you're driving <laughs> them, but in in those moments, because you, as you put it, like you you're not thinking, you're reacting. You're yeah. just you're going and you're going.
1: It's. So I, I, I threw a lot of therapy and a lot of you know talking with people that know a lot more about the human psyche than I do, mm-hmm. and know a lot more about autism than I do and stuff like that. And I have a severe need for I'm an adrenaline junkie. There is no short way to put that. Okay. Um. So, like going skydiving. With for for the very first time, I had the guy strapped to me tandem, and I told this story last time. I'll tell it again. So we're sitting there, and ev- I go with a bunch of old friends, and they're all jacked up, like "Woo, we're going skydiving!" And the guys strapped to him that know how to do this have like um, GoPros on their wrists, and they're taking video of my friends that are all excited. And meanwhile, right. I'm just sitting there, like, "Are we in the air yet?" <laughs> Can we jump out of the airplane yet? (laughs) And the guy that's strapped to me kind of leans his head around and he says, are you all right, Ben? And I say, yeah. He goes, you're not nervous? I said, why should I be nervous? You're the one with the parachute strapped to you. All I have to do is fall. (laughs) And he goes, oh, man. I said, so do me a favor. If the parachute doesn't work, whatever, let me know. Cut me loose so I can go out the same way I came in. And he goes, "How's that?" And I said, "Naked, covered, blood, piss, and shit, and somebody else's problem." He goes, "You are a cold motherfucker." And I said, "Do me a favor, just make it as scary as you possibly can. Like right. I'm getting nothing right now. Let's let's go for scary on the flight up. On the talking, flight up, you're talking
0: shit to this guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'm talking shit to the dude I'm strapped to with the parachute. And, and so he's like, okay, I got you. Just throw your feet back under the airplane and right. lean forward a little bit. I'll take it from there. So I throw my feet back. I don't mm-hmm. even get a chance to lean forward. He jumps over the top of me, and we're just somersaulting and spinning out of the airplane. And finally, he levels us out, and I'm, like, looking around, and I'm used to going really fast. Sure. They tell you, don't look straight down because it forces wind up your nose.
0: Right.
1: And it makes it really hard to breathe. Sure. Well— I ride motorcycles really fast. I don't have a full-face helmet. I get wind up my nose really fast. Okay. So So you're used to this. Yeah, your average falling speed out of an airplane is like 123 miles an hour. I drive that fast. (laughs) What the fuck ever. (laughs) So I'm looking around. He's pulling my head up, and I'm slapping his hand out of the way, and I'm looking around, so I've got my, like, in a a prone position falling. I'm, like, looking back between my knees at the horizon upside down, you know, and he's like trying to pull my head back. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm looking around." <laughs> and we he pulls the parachute, and we it opens up, and it goes utterly silent. Yeah, and it's just like an owl gliding through the air. You know, there's nothing except for me talking shit to this dude. And he's like, "So what do you think?" I'm like, "Well, it, you've got a really nice office. Yeah. I would do this again." He's like that's it. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, he goes. So he hands me the little things that control the parachute and I spin us in circles and he takes them away from me and we get on the ground and he's like, so what'd you think? I was like, well, if it raised my heart rate 10 beats a minute, I'd be damn surprised. He yeah. goes, I'm taking, I'll challenge you next time wear a heart rate monitor. <laughs> so the next time I go, I'm going to wear a heart rate monitor just to prove a point. Cause I really don't think it did. It was <laughs> like, I don't know. I, th- I think if the parachute would have failed, the heart rate probably would have jumped a lot for a few minutes until I realized I was really ground. just out of control and like, oh well, what do you do? You know.
0: I, I, see, to me, that feels like you're describing a spiritual experience. Like, I, I, maybe I mean you're being you know kind of silly about it, a little bit glib about it, but right. like the sense of of the lack of control and just leaning into it rather than that making that un- making you uncomfortable. Like to me, that's what most people are trying to meditate to achieve and because we also spoke the other day that you you don't meditate like no not at all it doesn't do anything for you and it annoys me it annoys you (laughs) but uh, some of like what people are trying to achieve is that sense of like full acceptance of their powerlessness about the like that they're they're uh, i think most people are scared to die well, okay. I know I am I'm
1: am I personally mean, very scared to die.
0: And, and so and we, I
1: really I really think that's a lot of the like well, planning sure. for the future and planning for well, what and, comes afterwards and you know, they're they're they've got this religion and they got
0: they have this higher power. I, I don't like to talk about the religion part of that. Or, the,
1: or they've got this spirituality and this higher power or a religion. I'm going to I'm going to talk about I just about mean it. in terms of but, fear of
0: death, but but
1: but you know, they they plan all this stuff for the future that that is like an insurance policy against the unknown right and i don't care about the unknown on the other side like that's not my concern what mm-hmm. happens then happens then sure what happens right now is all i is all i have any control over and my my amount of control is very finite right you know i can control the twist of the throttle I can control my reaction to a car in front of me sure. in a very finite degree. Sure. I might have one or two degrees of operation to get out of a wreck sometimes. Right. But, you know, the 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 reality of the whole situation is my place of peace and my place of... I'm going to use the word serenity, but I don't know that it's really the right word. It feels like is, the right word to me. Is... Someplace where everyone else thinks they're gonna die right like that that finite edge it's like the it's a razor's edge of of chance
0: I guess okay
1: of just riding you know riding a hundred plus miles an hour on a so, freeway so the, but or, there's a
0: difference between let's say this there's a difference between not being afraid of of dying and and taunting it right like do you, do you, how do you feel about that are are you genuinely just not you just don't have any concern or are you trying to toy with death no. when you're doing that stuff when you no, I... when you're driving that's an unreasonable speed by the way ben but when you're going super fast on a motorcycle i don't I mean... think it's unreasonable <laughs> it's only unreasonable if you're out of control agreed no 100% so and i part of what makes me have that visceral response right now is I did see a guy going too fast for the conditions. It wasn't bad conditions. He was just going too fast on his motorcycle, maybe 45 seconds before he died. Right? Yeah. Like I didn't see the accident, but he was going super fucking fast zipped by us on the freeway. And I was like, that guy's going to fucking die. And then came up around the little sure turn enough. and he was dead. Yeah. And, yeah, but you're right. I and mean, part of my sense of that was like watching him like that guy doesn't have enough control of that bike to be going that fast.
1: Yeah. I, and I don't even you ride know, a bike and I could tell. I, I I'm not a guy that challenged, like you say taunting death. Like, I don't know a better I, way to put I it. I don't.
0: Are, are you trying to Are you trying to test your own mortality with that? And like, I don't know. It, no, not
1: so much. It's it's just I. It part of me has replaced the that that high. Like everybody else, spent so much time drinking to not feel. Mm-hmm. You know, to drown their emotions out, it seems like. I, I hear this all the time. Sure. I I was afraid of what people thought of me. I, I wanted to be in control of this and blah, blah, blah. And I've never had that concern. I don't care what people think of me. That's n- That's not my business. I just don't give a shit. Sure. And I wanted to understand what it was like to feel more for someone. Okay. I knew I didn't. I thought everybody was the way I did, and I thought that you drank so that you could have easy interactions with people, right?
0: That's true. I mean, for a lot of people anyway, but from a different From a
1: different perspective. So you are—okay,
0: that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that when you were talking about that earlier.
1: And for me, I'm an awkward human being. Like, you're not wrong. I am intimidating at first glance. I am a nice dude. Yeah. I try to be a nice dude. I'm, You know, that's just the way it is. I have compassion for other people, but very little empathy
0: interesting you know i don't so, so when you were drinking heavily i mean part of it was you were just on a bunch of cocktail of shit oh man but, it was a mess but i'm gonna guess you were drinking preceding that right like alcohol was part of your, oh, yeah. your life anyway and that's interesting so you you is like you're reading the same script of like yeah i drink in order to get along with people to fit in but everyone else is doing that because they're horribly self-conscious about what other people think of them and you're the inverse of like i don't have any idea how people feel so i'm going to do this because everyone around me is doing it pretty much interesting
1: and i'm also a little socially
0: awkward well I think, yeah I, mean, I think everyone who comes to, to these little ran, this little club that we've joined like, is, is socially awkward my
1: my my sense of humor is really dark well uh, you know and that's part to do with probably my everything that I am. Your sociopathic
0: disconnect from all human beings in your surroundings? Right, right. (laughs) Okay, sure. It's a lot of that, like,
1: (laughs) you know. um, So I can sometimes make people feel really uncomfortable, you know, just because I am a dark person. Sure,
0: I I, I get what you're saying.
1: But it's it's not really an intentional thing, and I've learned over the years how to tone it down a lot, you know. You don't make jokes about your dead whatever.
0: I got you, yeah. You know,
1: that— I read a meme the other day that just absolutely had me laughing because it was about a dude finding his dog with this rabbit and his neighbor raised prize-winning rabbits. So the the rabbit was dead, so he washed the rabbit off and took it back and put it in the pen because his neighbors were gone. And then his neighbors come home and freak out because... The rabbit had died three days earlier, and they'd buried it, and now it's back in the pen. And I'm sitting here laughing my ass off, and everybody else in the room is like, you're fucking sick, man. <laughs> like, That's pretty good. It's hilarious to me. Like, who does but, that? Some but, Pet cemetery shit. That's funny.
0: But, but— So you still register this as no spirituality, but I feel like— I mean, I feel like you just don't I I, I don't I just I don't like perceive don't give it a that shit way about it. like you're not I, thinking I, about I it. I
1: don't. Like no. and that's part of it. Like I hear regularly, Ben, you're one of the most spiritual not regularly. A few people have said this to me. <laughs> I hear all the time. I hear this all the time. <laughs> I'm the coolest guy ever. Um no, a few people have said it to me. They say, you know, they've said that whether I see it or not, they regard me as a spiritual person. This is
0: this is kind of where I'm sitting right now directly across from you while you're describing all this.
1: But my perception is yeah. that it's not. It's just me doing what's right. Okay. And it's just me trying to be a better person right. and better people around me because that's the right thing to do because I wouldn't want somebody to do me wrong. Right. So I try to give back. I try to help. I try to do for others. Because that's the good thing to do, not because it's it it doesn't make me feel any way. I feel you. It's I mean, just what everyone should do.
0: I I I love that. That is your perspective. Considering what you've just described of of being something you have to force yourself to have the empathy for others, and you're doing it from a space that it's not even driven by any emotion like that at all. It's just like you said. It's just the right thing to do. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm still going to list this as Ben is one of the most spiritual people I know. <laughs> well, just to bug you. Uh, no.
1: Uh, no, it's okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, whatever it is, it is. Like, I don't know, and I will never claim to know. Sure. Like, there could be some magical sky wizard out there just laughing his <laughs> ass off because Ben doesn't fucking get it, and it's this joke. But in the end, you know, do I do the right thing? Do I do the wrong thing? I don't know.
0: Well, and this touches straight to the next thing I was going to ask. So what are you do? How, how do you feel in your sobriety today? How do you feel in your recovery today? Do you even refer to it as in recovery? I I don't think about it. What do you mean? You don't think like,
1: uh, uh, I know if you went by the book and you went, you know, you took the program for, for a spin you know, and you had you, are had, you talking about big book thumpers. Yeah, if, that, if you had if you had the twelve steps laid out in front of you, and you had somebody that professed to know this program inside and out, and they would teach you how to do this a program, thumper, a thumper. You know, I, I think that any one of those people would look at the things that I do on a daily basis and wow. go, "You're not going to stay sober." Right,
0: yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't care about those people. I mean, and I, what what do you think? How how are you doing?
1: I think that those people don't know shit. Okay, so. I heard very early on in in my in my sobriety that if you don't find God and you don't right. find a higher power, right. you're not going to make it. Right. So I very cynically created my own church. <laughs> right. And and
0: ironic though <sighs> that is because you are. And probably were at that time a far more spiritual person than even you yourself recognize. So that's that is ironic that you would do that. But I get right. that you were doing it as a complete fuck you to everybody. I, I totally and was, you.
1: and I I put it on Facebook and published it, and it's <laughs> called the First Intergalactic <laughs> Church of the Gravitarians. You that's can look it up. It's kind, kind of kind of thing, funny.
0: That's the kind of thing that an early someone um, early in the rooms would do, and you'd be like, "All right, well, have fun and any <laughs> right." And. And but, I, But what do you—today, so, you just said you don't think about it. You've got to think I re- about it somewhere. Come I really on. don't, like— or I, I, Actually, I mean, what do you mean you don't think about it? What, what do you not think about it? I, I try not to classify it. Classify like, what?
1: I, I, I don't know if I can really call it recovery. I don't okay. know if I okay. can call it sobriety, really. Some people would look at what I do and just be like, You're not sober. You're a fucking wreck. Some people would look at what I do and go— Oh, you're one of the most spiritual guys I've ever seen in my life. Right, and I think that they're all entitled to their own opinions. And what I know is, I don't drink today. Right, like I don't wake up in the morning feeling at risk of taking a drink very often. Even having lost a child a few years ago, even losing you know my whole life essentially right. in through a PTSD event. Right. And there were times during that that I would have probably eaten a bullet before I took a drink Uh because I would have survived taking a drink right and if I had I don't know what I would be doing right now I don't know where I would be or what kind of state I would be in all I know is it would not be useful to anyone yeah because when I was drinking I was very unpredictable sure to say to say the very least and it Like part of that is my low regard for my own mortality. Part of that is that that I just – I don't care a lot of times. The things that other people care about, I really don't.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, and if you have an inherent disconnect from human beings in your surroundings and then you – Dump a bunch of liquor on top of that. Yeah, yeah I, I can see I mean, that being a very. That's volatile... the cocktail
1: that gets me to go walk around in the forest by myself for a few months and maybe not come back. I don't know. Jesus Christ. Like, like that, it. So it just never seemed like a good idea. A nice therapeutic bullet to the face? Yeah. Okay. okay. A drink? No. But, you know, obviously neither of those things happened. And, and, I owe a lot of that to going to the rooms. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, don't.
0: You, you you do have a sponsor who? I mean, I don't know to what degree you have a. a well, obviously you don't have a regular sit down with him since he doesn't live in the state. No, currently, no. but I mean, and, uh, ironically, he was here when you were out of town. I saw him. He came when you were out of town. But oh, did he? Coincidentally, I don't know if that's an irony, but that's funny. He didn't but, tell uh, me he was here. Yeah, he's probably he, going to rub it in later. He probably. But yeah. But uh. But I mean, so you you, know, you, you you're you're doing the script at least. And I'm guessing that, because I've I've felt my myself in this this form before of I'm doing this because this is what they said I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So what the fuck I'll do it. And whether or not that led to a spiritual experience for you, it still did something to make you want to keep coming back, right? And I assume yeah. you're in contact with. With your sponsor, whatever, You some know, point, every now and then, I whether or not it's because your shit's falling apart, but it's just to say hi. I uh, mean, I, I most of the time, that's my relationship with my sponsor, is I just want to check in and say howdy.
1: I'm usually pretty self-governing. Yeah. Sure. You know, I mean, I've, I've just always been that way. And my sponsor was, you know, in the beginning, he was really like look you just don't have enough for your fourth step you need more there and i'm like really i just don't give a shit <laughs> and after we got we got into some long heated conversations well not really all that he, heated ish conversations <laughs> in comparison uh, cause in, in he's comparison <laughs> cuz he's a pretty mellow guy and i'm typically a pretty mellow guy um he he finally just he started to understand me okay you know we had to have these conversations to him for him to get to know me enough to understand that ben as a human being really doesn't give a shit enough to hold a resentment like that's a lot of work man what are you doing what are well, you, people and you doing did, with as this? you
0: described like you your your default was assuming that if somebody's upset you enough you're just you're just done with them yeah right? like
1: yeah i don't i don't think about it later like that's yeah. I cut that cord, that's done, no,
0: but and I appreciate but, that because i i i I don't know your sponsor that well. I just seen him around too and and he moved away a while ago, so it's even less but I appreciate that his approach to you is is kind of that's that's what I've always needed in 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 a sponsor and in people that i I come to know and that I consider my people uh is the fundamental awareness that it's a personal thing right, absolutely. Like, all of it is personal. Yeah, there's the there's the the steps on the wall. There's the traditions. There's the book. There's all the 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 rigmarole that goes into it. And I feel like there are personality types that that really need that structure and the like the big book thumper and all that uh, kind of approach where they just have the rigor enforced on them because mm-hmm. you know we're in general fucking drunks and drug addicts have no rigorous lifestyle. So right. I appreciate why that's there, and I appreciate more when people are flexible in it to make it work for you. Right. Like a a sponsor as a sponsor, my handful of attempts that failed miserably and somebody actually died, not because of me, but the the people who I attract traditionally are not stable people. It turns out. So I don't think anyone that comes into the rooms are stable. you're probably right. But so don't hold that against yourself too
1: bad. (laughs) Okay. Um, I but, mean, but, I'm a prime example of not real fucking stable. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: sure. hang out at the same place quite a bit. Okay, that's a good point. But the uh, recognizing that you 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 have to give people, you know, you're you're giving. Here's a prescription for life. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to use it as a way to help, for me, find my way to recovery. Right, like I look at the 12 steps as that was a way for me to find my way to recovery, and I do refer to it as recovery. Um, but that's just. I I don't know. Maybe that's just the way I've reasoned it to be uh, workable for me. I don't know.
1: I like to think of alcoholism a lot like cancer. Okay. I'm currently in remission. That's a good – I like that. And my maintenance program may not look like anyone else's, but it works to keep me in remission. And
0: I guess that's all I'm trying to get at, right? Like as long as it works to keep – I probably
1: don't have anything anybody else wants. Like, I don't know
0: that that's true. That's I, part of why I wanted to bring you in here because my guess is there's probably more than, there's probably plenty of people who feel ostracized and, 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 don't feel like they can really connect with any of the fucking squareheads in that room, right? I mean, right. I, I don't. I've been watching but, Deadwood. That's why I keep calling it squareheads. But... I, I love that term. I'm going to start <laughs> calling everyone
1: squareheads, but because it's You're so, it's perfect, You're called right? Squareheads, yeah,
0: especially in that room. Come yeah. on, well, I mean, there's plenty of squareheads in a lot of the rooms in Boise, Idaho. Come on, yeah. it's Boise, Idaho. So yeah. I, I gotta believe that there's plenty of people who feel totally outside of the, of the regular world who would appreciate to hear someone like you and and hear your message despite what you would probably resist being referred to as having a message, I feel like you have one, and I feel like I, it's beautiful. You
1: know, I I really go just for the off chance that there's someone down there that deals with life very similar <laughs> yeah. to the way I deal with life. I don't think there's going to be very many people who wake up when they're 39 years old yeah. and find out, oh my God, I'm autistic and I have reactive attachment disorder and I don't function like a normal fucking human being. No. That probably doesn't happen very often. No. On the off chance that it does even exactly. one time, I would like to be there for it. And then Just he, so I can walk up to that dude and go, you're real fucked
0: up. Come with me. <laughs> well, and that's why I want you here. Let's let's end on that, because especially because I think I hear little kids out there, <laughs> outside. Um, but I think that's the perfect reason also to be putting this up there is for that exact purpose. Like maybe somebody somewhere will one day click on this and be like, Oh shit, I'm not the only person in the world that's feeling like this. Right. Cause like you said, it feels empty and a little bit lonely, empty. I would guess empty is
1: the nicest way that that yeah. can be termed. I was hollow. I was alone, more alone than I've ever been in my life. How do you feel today? Um, I have spent the last year working on those emotional
0: relationships. Yeah. And do you feel empty and hollow? When you walked in just an hour or so ago, would you describe yourself as feeling empty and hollow? It's like a 50-50,
1: okay. honestly. Like, uh, it, it's really hard to describe that feeling to someone who probably will never really truly understand what it's like. Right. But the it's it's like... It, it, man, it's just impossible to put into words. Sure, it's it's just not there,
0: and you know it's not there, and you know there's supposed to be something there. And maybe that's why I, I described you as being like glowing or something when you yeah. came in, because maybe you were you were on the fifty side. That's good. like or, like i not feeling empty.
1: Think things are getting better. Like I'm I'm rebuilding those emotional relationships yeah. and making emotional connections and it takes time and it's very difficult for me but i'm able to do that yeah. like it it's not completely gone it's just starting over yeah so the crumbling that we talked about was absolutely 100% t- true it tore my foundation down to the very roots right. the good part about that is it's allowed me to build a stronger foundation with more knowledge right. and more self-awareness than i ever had before so hopefully, the relationships that I've built growing forward, yeah. are stronger relationships because I know it takes a lot of effort for me to have those and keep those yeah. versus what the other side is. The other side is the, the, you know, a person like you, mm-hmm. or you know, my girlfriend who has a very strong emotional connection to other people, right. and she doesn't have a problem making an emotional connection. She right. can just tell, "I like you." It takes me a while to tell I like you. But okay. when I know, I work for that. Yeah. So I have to bring myself to the table. Otherwise, I, I get nothing out of it.
0: All right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. All right. And all I wanted to say is you, you look like you're doing well. I
1: feel, I feel well-ish. <laughs>
0: all right. Thank you, Ben. Yep. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> this has been the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and as always, if um, you're moved by this conversation you know, or and you want to comment or, or if you have suggestions for how to improve or you just want to reach out, um, you can find me on Facebook or through the contact link on the Eavesdrop Podcast Network. Um, but as always... I really appreciate you guys listening, and I love every one of you, and I, and I genuinely, genuinely love the support uh, that we've received so far. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for listening, and I hope your day is going well.